At a time like this, it's easy to see why local news is so important and why that news should be free for everyone who needs it to be. Your support of KCUR makes this essential reporting possible. If you can, please donate. KCUR.org slash give. And thanks. Good morning and welcome to up-to-date special coverage, coronavirus in Kansas City. I'm Steve Kraske. Governor Laura Kelly has signed a series of executive orders aimed at safeguarding the health of Kansans during a pandemic. We'll ask her about criticism that she went too far and whether she's considering a statewide stay-at-home order. Later, we'll check in on how the city of Olathe is dealing with the crisis, and we'll turn to a panel of personal finance experts to ask whether it's wise to take out a personal loan to pay the mortgage this month. We begin, though, with KCUR's Brian Ellison with the latest news. Brian, good morning. Morning, Steve. Brian, the big news out of the Kansas City Council yesterday doesn't appear at first glance to be coronavirus-related. The city passed its $1.7 billion budget, and yet, of course, everything is coronavirus-related right now. Isn't it? <laughs> it really is, Steve. So yes, the council passed after a four-hour meeting this $1.7 billion budget. But here's the thing, Steve. The budget is based on the revenues that were predicted before the coronavirus outbreak. And so uh, most would agree that in all likelihood, city sales tax, city earning taxes are going to be far lower. But the council went ahead and passed this budget anyway. Uh, council members resisted any effort to decrease lines in the budget and figured they would just work it out later as they found out what the real numbers were. Hmm. Uh, it, it was a big budget. Uh, it included $4.8 million to eliminate bus fares citywide. That's less than the KCATA wanted for the, the $8 million to go to free buses. And so we'll have to see how that works out. Uh, last week, Mayor Quentin Lucas added $328,000 in funding for tenant assistance. Um, the budget also allocated half a million dollars to Children's Mercy Hospital. Uh, originally, you'll recall, Mayor Lucas had proposed cutting that money and diverting its mental health services. But in the end, all of it was restored. I should note the Council also voted unanimously yesterday to create a $500,000 relief package to provide grants to small businesses that are struggling amid the COVID-19 outbreak and also extended the deadline for the city earnings tax until July 15th. So the budget is passed, but it may not be a real budget is what you're saying. We're going to have to be visiting it again and again. Let's check in on the numbers in our region today, Brian. Where are we this morning in terms of uh, how widespread the virus is? Well, Steve, we're starting to get a picture of what a, what a pandemic looks like. Uh, the number of confirmed cases in Kansas quadrupled over the past week. So seven days quadrupled the number of cases in Kansas. Uh, we're up to 168 as of yesterday. That's according to the State Department of Health. We do have updated numbers this morning from counties here in the metro. Uh, locally, Wyandotte County uh, is reporting its third death this morning. That's on the county's website. The total number in Wyandotte is 37 cases. And Johnson County's had one death and 66 positive tests, the most in the state. That's more than any other county. Uh, and so between Johnson and Wyandotte, we've got more than half the state's cases right here in the metro. Over on the Missouri side, we topped 500 confirmed cases yesterday, the state said. Missouri's ninth fatality was reported this morning. It was a woman in her 80s with chronic medical conditions in St. Louis County. Uh, as you'd expect, Steve, the state's urban areas continue to have the 
the greatest number of positive tests. Uh, 64 confirmed cases in Kansas City, 31 more in Jackson County, and hmm. single digits in the uh, surrounding counties of Clay and Platt and Cass. And finally, Brian, a lot of folks will want to get out of their houses a little bit this week and maybe go to their local park. But it turns out that may be a little more complicated depending on where they live. Well, that's right. Going outside is generally safe activity, experts say, but it's still important to be mindful of social distancing, keeping six feet from other people, and of course, remembering that the virus can survive on surfaces that have been touched or breathed on by someone who's infected. Mm. That's why the Johnson County Parks Department said yesterday it was closing all pickleball, basketball, and tennis courts in their parks. Uh, They observed that people were not uh, abiding by social distancing. Uh, Other parks, including those in Kansas City, have large signs urging people not to use playground equipment. But anecdotally, Steve, I can tell you people are still doing it. Uh, Folks should use good sense and be careful. Okay, that's KCR's Brian Ellison. Thanks very much. In the week since the coronavirus has reared its head, Kansas Governor Laura Kelly has signed a series of executive orders to help her state navigate the crisis. She was the first governor in the country to order the closing of schools. The governor also took steps to prevent foreclosures and evictions. She temporarily halted utility shutoffs and blocked large gatherings of people. And she signed orders waiving restrictions on motor carriers, delivering relief for COVID-19, and allowing out-of-state doctors doctors to provide telemedicine services in Kansas if they're licensed in another state. Governor Kelly joined us on Thursday afternoon, and we're bringing that conversation to you now. Governor, thank you for your time. We sure appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Steve. I appreciate what you're doing, keeping everybody informed. I'm wondering, as we talk today, how concerned you are about this virus as as it moves toward April here. Well, I I have been concerned about this virus for a long time, and I continue to be concerned. You know, I don't think that we have reached the apex yet. I think we're still on the upward uh, curve. And so we have uh, all hands on deck. We're working with our local communities uh, to do everything we can to to mitigate mitigate this virus uh, and stem the tide and uh, work towards getting back to normal. Your biggest worry is what, Governor? Well, obviously, it's the uh, health and safety of Kansans. That is number one. Uh, But I'm also very well aware that this is creating economic uh, crisis. And so that's not... uh, not very far behind uh, public health and safety because ultimately uh, we will come out of this and and we need to make sure that uh, we are supportive of our our workers and our businesses uh, so that when we when we do emerge from this uh, we have got a foundation to work from to to continue to try to grow our economy to what extent do you think that kansans are practicing safe distancing these days and you know, doing all the basics like washing their hands often that we're hearing so much about? Well, I think most Kansans are being very responsible about this. Uh, You know that we uh, closed down the schools, uh, which forced us or forced Kansans into a situation of of being at home uh, with their families. Uh, We also, on the state level, put all state employees who could be at home at home on administrative leave, which means they're being paid uh, for two weeks uh, to try to help uh, with that social distancing. 
uh, issue. You know, we've shut down all face-to-face -face kinds of operations within state government, driver's license bureaus, those kinds of things. Uh, and from what we can tell, uh, Kansans by and large uh, are taking this very seriously and doing the right things. Are there folks who are not? Yes, uh, but I, I think more and more are because I think people are becoming clearly aware as as this virus spreads across Kansas uh, that everybody's at risk and that they have a responsibility uh, to practice safe uh, hygiene and uh, d social distancing because it's not just their lives that's on the um, at risk. Are you considering a statewide mandatory stay-at-home order? Is that something that's on your plate? Uh, it has always been on the table. Uh, you know, we have not imposed it yet. Uh, we have allowed our local units of government, which I think have uh, all stepped up to, and done what was in the best interests of their particular constituents. Uh, but we, yes, we are monitoring that on an hour-by-hour -hour basis. And uh, when the need is there, uh, we will issue that statewide order. What would trigger something as dramatic as a, as a statewide stay-at-home order? I think it, it's, uh, it will depend upon the spread. You know, as of yesterday, I think we had 85 counties uh, without uh, a known case of the coronavirus. Uh, as that evolves, uh, you know, so will our policy. I mentioned in the opening that you've signed this series of executive orders as this crisis has unfolded. You were the first governor in the country to close the schools. Why did you uh, take that move when you did? You know, the answer to that is pretty simple. Uh, I knew we were going to have to close the schools. That was obvious. Uh, it was a matter of whether or not we shut them down, you know, for a month uh, or just go ahead and do it for the entire rest of the year. And, you know, Steve, I was the mother of school-age kids. I really completely understand how disruptive uh, school holidays are uh, mm -hmm. for families. You know, I used to scramble over Christmas break and and spring break to figure out uh, what to do with, with my daughters when, when I was uh, working. And... Uh, so I, I understood and I really thought about it from a parent's perspective and from the teacher's perspective uh, and realized that, you know, we're going to have to shut them down. We, we ought to go ahead and just do it for the rest of the year and then uh, put in place an alternative education delivery system, uh, which our school districts have, have done. Uh, some have already implemented those. The rest will be going uh, live on Monday morning. Uh, we also recognized that we needed to ensure a continuity of mental health services that are often provided through the schools. Uh, we've got that in place. We knew uh, that there were kids who were dependent upon school breakfast and lunch. Uh, for nutrition purposes. So the school districts have uh, really stepped up. We got a waiver from the federal government, which allows us to feed any child a breakfast and lunch between the ages of one and 18. Uh, so a lot, I think you've probably seen, a lot of schools have set up the grab and go um, mm -hmm. approach to getting those two families and kids. Uh, and we'll, we will be doing the same thing with academic programs. There will be a lot of online uh, availability teleeducation uh, for those areas where broadband access is not particularly good 
we will have um, sort of grab and go academic uh, packets. Uh, teachers will work directly with the kids uh, that way. And then I think we're also going to be able to set up very, very small groups, fewer than 10, uh, maybe, you know, actual in person in self contained classrooms where, you know, the kids don't have to go in the hallway, they can just come in, there's a bathroom, you know, within contained within the classroom. So we're looking at all sorts of different ways to do that. And we had a group of expert teachers, uh, the best and the brightest across the state of Kansas came together, put together uh, essentially plans for our local districts that included a variety of options. Mm -hmm. The local school districts then took that and it was their responsibility and they have done it, uh, put together what works for their particular community. Hey, how concerned are you? We talked with your uh, education commissioner on Thursday on the show. How concerned are you that this will result in some kids falling even farther behind who don't have access to the computers, who don't have parents at home who can help them uh, through a very unusual time? It's it's of great concern. You know, and I recognize uh, that no matter how great our efforts are, how comprehensive and expansive they are, that that is going to happen. Uh, and uh, I am comfortable that our, our local units of government, our social uh, service support systems within that will pick up some of that slack, but um, there's, there's no doubt uh, that there will be some fallout. You know, some Republicans are saying that you've gone too far with all these executive orders, that you've overstepped your authority. What do you say to that? Well, um, I'd like to just say hogwash, but I'll try not to. Um, <laughs> too you know, late. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, the fact of the matter is, Steve, that, you know, uh, I understand how some could feel that way, but you know this is nothing new. It's not like I have some superpowers that came with me into this office. Uh, these have always been uh, in statute, and the fact of the matter is, I've you know we've implemented them before when there have been floods, uh, when there have been tornadoes, uh, wildfires. Uh, every governor before me had to do the same thing, so. Um, you know, there really was no reason to do this uh, right now. Uh, I wish they hadn't, uh, but the fact of the matter is uh, cooler heads ended up prevailing. Uh, the same powers are still there. There's a little bit more, uh, you know, bureaucratic red tape to get through to implement those, but, uh, but they're there. And I hope that when the legislature comes back next year, that they recognize that, you know, we were very judicious in our exercise of these powers and that we exercised all of them best interests of their constituents and move on to something else. I'm visiting with Kansas Governor Laura Kelly. Governor, you just signed the state budget, which includes $65 million to respond right. to the virus. What will that money enable you to do? Well, 15 million of that is appropriated directly for emergency management, you know, which is a fund we've always had mm -hmm. and we use to take care of things like tornadoes and floods and, and whatever. Uh, the other 50 million is is appropriated specifically to deal uh, with expenses incurred by the coronavirus situation. So. Um, I don't think anybody is earmarked for anything in particular, but I know we'll be spending it 
uh, on uh, equipment, supplies, testing, things of those nature, that nature. And you know, we'll also be looking at, I'm sure we'll get requests from the local units of government for expenses that they're incurring. How confident are you that $50 million will be enough to cover the cost of this crisis? Well, you know, we, we did have to just sort of pull a figure out of the air mm-hmm. uh, because we have no idea. This is completely un, unprecedented, so we can't run any numbers from the past and and do it. So, yeah, we just picked a number uh, out of the thin air. Um, but we also know that um, the way this will work, uh, we did apply for a uh, emergency declaration on the federal level. All that paperwork is been in process now for a week or so. I expect that will happen, and that will uh, free up some federal money to come help us. Um, and, and some of that already existed, but this will do more. Uh, and then, obviously, we've got the the stimulus package that just mm-hmm. passed the Senate yesterday. Hopefully, pass the House today and go into law, and that will that will send some some funds back to the state for to help us through this, uh, both, you know, in response to the emergency, but also uh, to support our businesses and workers. You know, I know this obviously is a moving target here, but have you had even an early look at what this crisis might do to your budget and to revenues going into the next fiscal year? You know, I have not looked at any numbers because we're, we're a little bit too early to mm-hmm. see the impact. Uh, but I have had conversations with uh, the Secretary of Revenue uh, and um, the Director of the Budget. This is going to be very, very difficult. You know, we we extended the deadline for tax returns, uh, so that money, when it comes in, uh, will be delayed. And because of all of these layoffs and whatnot, we expect it to be significantly reduced. Obviously, sales tax, with you know so many businesses now being closed, uh, we're going to see a, a precipitous drop in in sales tax collections. So we um, and and we've extended licensing uh, deadlines for driver's license. Mm-hmm. You know, car tags and whatever. So that means a decrease in, in revenues to the state and locals. So it, it's going to be it's going to be very, very tough. Uh, and I'm grateful that Congress has uh, just about got the stimulus package done so that uh, we can offset some of that uh, with federal funds, much like we had to do back in 2008 mm-hmm. when they had the American uh, Recovery and Reinvestment Act. And the, the federal government sent money to the states to help take care of Medicaid expansions, uh, make sure we didn't have to cut our schools to the bone, uh, that kind of stuff. We'll, we will get some help uh, from the feds. Mm-hmm. How helpful has the Trump administration been when it comes to you know, providing governors like yourself the guidance you need to navigate something as, as uh, widespread and as dominating as a coronavirus uh, pandemic? Well, I think it's been obvious uh, from everything that's been out there is that the governors have really had to sort of step up and take the lead on this. Uh, you know, and we've been working with the federal government uh, to ensure that they are getting us uh, what we need on a scale that individual states can't do. Uh, but it, it's been uh, a bit of a problem. Uh, I don't think the feds were really prepared uh, for this. Um, you know, they, 
They didn't have stockpiles of supplies, equipment, testing uh, that were needed uh, right up front. I think they're working on increasing uh, that stockpile, but um, we've gotten some, other states have gotten some of what they need, but none of us have gotten all that we need. Uh, and we are pushing on the feds uh, to, to ramp, ramp up production uh, of the kinds of uh, equipment supplies and testing that uh, we all need. Just a final question. To what extent are you visiting with other governors, other health care experts around the country and in Kansas? Where are you getting your information as you try to work your way through this thing? Well, you know, we have a, a very sophisticated emergency management system that's been in place for a long time. Uh, and you combine that now with our, our uh, Division of Health over KDHE, uh, Dr. Norman there, uh, General Taffanelli, General Weishar down at the, uh, with the National Guard and with the Division of Emergency Management. They have very close relationships with uh, partners, state and other states, uh, and at the federal level and at the local level. Uh, so I'm, I'm very confident that we're getting good information. Uh, you know, we we uh, really are very well connected through Dr. Norman with the CDC, mm -hmm. uh, NIH. So I'm I'm comfortable that we are we're getting good information and we're basing our decisions on that. That's Kansas Governor Laura Kelly. Governor, I sure appreciate your time. Good luck in the days and weeks to come. We'll be in touch. Okay, stay safe, everybody. Olathe Mayor Michael Copeland calls these days truly unprecedented times. He says some of his residents are facing significant hardship, but he insists the city will make it through. Now, as we continue our conversations with city officials throughout the metro, a conversation about Olathe, the Johnson County city of 143,000 people. Joining us now is the city's communications director. That's Tim Dannenberg. Tim, welcome back. Nice to have you. Good morning, Steve. I was struck by one of your mayor's recent video statements to his city that Olathe has a lot of resources at its disposal to help residents through this difficult time. I'm wondering what resources are available, Tim, and how can the city help residents at a time like this? Well, really, the the way that, that Kansas is structured is the county health official is the one who is empowered to to make decisions where our role and where the mayor was alluding is trying to make sure that we can connect people with the resources that are available we can connect them we're getting questions on the stay-at-home order so obviously we're working to get the information that we have but also share that uh, um, and direct people to the appropriate sources uh, we are working like everyone else as quickly as we can to to make sure uh, what is available is easily accessible and in a sense act as an ombudsman in Kansas cities don't have health departments uh, we rely on counties for that so our role really is to um, support what's happening at the county and what's happening at the state level and make sure our residents have access to those informa that information. Tim, does that help extend to, you know, helping pay the rent or meeting the mortgage? You know, ideally, I think everybody's going to suffer. This is a very fluid situation. I don't know that I don't, any of us haven't met somebody that's been impacted by this um, financially. What we are working to do is make sure that 
you know, those resources that are coming from the federal government that are available from the state, uh, working with the Chamber of Commerce, um, that people can get access to them and get access to that information. What are you hearing from residents as you move around the city, as you work the phones? How would you describe the mood out there? You know, Olathe is resilient. It's a unique place. It's, you know, obviously one of the biggest cities in Kansas, the fourth, fourth biggest, but it's still a community, and it's still a very tight community. Um, people are, are doing what's right. I'm hearing anecdotal stories of, of neighbors helping neighbors. There are not-for-profits that are engaged in the community. Our school groups are coming together. I, mean, I certainly have heard no sense of panic. I, there is a sense of resilience. And there's also a recognition, recognition that you know, this is inconvenient for some, but you know, it's, it's a real hardship for many, but there's also a recognition that we'll get through this. Among your elected officials, Tim, what's the biggest concern you're hearing? Um, I, I would say among our elected is that they just want to make sure that they are there and continue to be there and accessible, that people have access to information, um, that um, people are being helped. And then obviously from the city's end, that we continue to be in a strong position to provide key services. Um, you know, right now we're in the process of building redundancies on redundancies at our water treatment facility, so there's absolutely no risk to that. Um, we are putting practices in place to keep employees distant uh, from each other, uh, making sure that uh, our police and fire departments have what they need uh, to respond. Our, our IT department has done an incredible job uh, allowing us to be continue to be effective and reachable. You can still talk to a person in a life when you call the number. They may not be in the office, but they'll be, um, be there, be live, and be in a position to help you. Tim, when you say redundancies upon redundancies at the health, uh, at the water department, what do you mean? We're making sure that our staff you know that that obviously is an important uh, those are very very important positions so we're making sure that our water production department staff remains safe they're taking all precautions and that we do have backups if if some someone does get sick we are in a strong position where we won't be compromised or vulnerable is there any uh, research to suggest that the virus can be spread through city water departments no yeah. Okay. No, you have no, a fairly you have a fairly high Hispanic population in Olathe. How has it impacted your your ability to get the word out about how to respond to this pandemic? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. We just had a meeting, I believe, yesterday with a number of community leaders. We're making sure um, to spread the word with our police department, with our fire department, with the hospital, with public health officials, and having those conversations. We're making sure information is available in Spanish, um, and we're staying in touch with um, with the community. Uh, the sense that we have heard, yeah, there has been some fear and concern, um, but. We are continuing to work to, to build on the inroads that we already have. Have you had a chance yet to begin to gauge just what kind of impact all this is going to have on your city budget? Any sense yet of what this might mean in terms of loss of sales tax revenue and the like? We really haven't. 
we really haven't and the the numbers we get tend to be lagging um, I just heard the governor talk about um, the impact of pushing back um, tax returns and the impact of sales tax that goes through the state before it's ultimately filtered here we do recognize there will be an impact we are now starting the process to um, start looking at our budget and prepare for next year's budget and potentially adjust this year's budget uh, to account for what we do envision being being a significant revenue uh, shortfall based on what we had planned for. I'm visiting with Tim Dannenberg. Uh, he's with the city of Olathe. He's the city's communications director. What's your read, Tim, on how your small business community is being impacted right now? You know, it's at this point, it's hard to say. I know... Um, our chamber has been very busy. We're directing a, a, a lot of our small businesses to the chamber. Uh, you know, on one hand, you have many impacted, and on others, you have you know a 20-minute wait at the drive-through to go get a sandwich. Hmm. Um, but um, you know, we're following that closely, um, trying to make sure that the resources that will be available for small businesses are easily accessible. Um, and findable, and you know the chamber is working very hard to to be a liaison for our small businesses and a resource for them. Have any small businesses closed yet? To my knowledge, no. Uh, is there any doubt that maybe some of them will, Tim? Yeah, it's it's really hard to say. You know, I, I hate yeah. to speculate, and and in this time of uncertainty, there's you know, depending on who you ask, there's a different answer and a different bit of information. So, you know, I would really hate to, to add to that confusion. Can the city help small businesses in Olathe? As you know, Mayor Lucas here in Kansas City just, uh, in fact, the city council just signed off on a $500,000 program aimed at helping small businesses. Um, can Olathe do anything remotely like that? We're really in a different position on the Kansas side than in Missouri. Um, what we can do, and some of the things that initially that we have done, is made it easier for them to function. And, you know, there, we have um, waves and permitting process permits, um, trying to make it simpler and more convenient to to do things that would take a while, such as outdoor sales, those types of things. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll be working. You know, this is new to a lot of us. You know, we will be working at, with all levels of government uh, to make sure that that we're in the strongest position we can be in. To what extent is your city hall up and functioning at all right now? Um, I would say we are we are many of us, if not most of us. I'm, I'm going to take that back. Most of us are working from home remotely. I've gotten incredibly good at uh, meetings online. <laughs> Isn't that yeah. something? Yeah. Yeah. Picking up the phone to talk to you, it seems strange. Uh, <laughs> but we've, we've all gotten, gotten very good at that. Uh, I mean, obviously, essential people are in, um, but um, it's, yeah, there's not a lot of people here. We have been going through meticulous cleanings. We're trying to uh, um, sanitize offices and areas, and then we'll tape them off if nobody's using them to avoid mm -hmm. having to clean them again. Yeah. Uh, but but a, a lot of people are working from home. We are fortunate we just implemented a new um, phone system that works over the Internet that allows our customer service reps uh, to work remotely. So you can call and handle all your questions and your utility bill within you wouldn't uh, a customer wouldn't wouldn't know the difference. Um, but it's important for us to make sure that people know we are here. Like I said, you know, if you call City Hall, you're going to talk to a person. Uh, we're just uh, we're just not working in the same way that we were 
a week ago. I got about 30 seconds here. Have any services been cut back as a result of all this? The only service impact at this point is we are temporarily suspending um, collecting yard waste. And, and the thought behind that, again, is creating redundancy upon redundancy. We're going to need to pick up trash. Obviously, that's a health and safety issue. We're going to pick up recycling. With yard waste, while many people have yard carts, others don't, and we're trying to minimize our employees' contact hmm. uh, so they don't have to get out of the truck and physically um, pick up yeah. bags of yard waste. And the thought, and hopefully it's going to be just a short-term suspension, but we need to keep those employees um, safe and healthy to make sure that we're in a position to pick up the essentials. That's Tim Dannenberg. He's the Olathe Communications Director. Tim, stay safe. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Steve. Have a great day. After a short break, when we come back, we'll talk about your personal finance during the outbreak of COVID-19. I'm Steve Kraske, and you're listening to up-to-date special coverage, coronavirus in Kansas City. And welcome back to the second half of up-to-date special coverage, Coronavirus in Kansas City. I'm Steve Kraske. Everybody thinks about money, but maybe not as often as we think about it during a national emergency like the one we're all facing right now with COVID-19. One issue these days is should I keep more cash on hand or a lot more cash? Another is whether it makes sense to take out loans to pay the mortgage or the rent or to keep the lights on. We're taking your questions right now at 816-235-2888. And here to answer them are Rachel Barker. She's vice president of financial coaching for the Community Services League. Rachel, welcome back. Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me. Amy Grothaus is vice president of member experience at the Community America Credit Union. Amy, good morning to you. Oh, good morning. Thank you for having me. Rachel, I'm guessing that you're fielding, you know, all manner of questions these days. Am I right? You know, the questions haven't been rolling in quite as quickly as I would have expected. I think, yeah, I think there's kind of a lull. People are really trying to just kind of get their head around what is going on. So I, I have actually not been answering a whole lot of questions regarding specific you know, financial needs. How about you, Amy? Um, You know, Steve, what we are hearing are our members calling in and more of in case something happens to them or they don't have a job or what can we do to help our members. We have seen a few people come in and take large amounts of cash out, which really is not that necessary because if you think about it, if we are being asked to stay home, you're going to need your debit cards and credit cards to do online purchasing and shopping and your cash. You won't be able to use it that much at home. Hmm. So that's kind of what we're seeing these days. Rachel, when you do get questions, what are people asking? Yeah. So I will say that at Community Services League, one thing that we're seeing a really big need is is food. Um, just in the last week, we have served over 700 families, which is about what we serve in a month at Community Services League, and that's just out of one office, our main office um, on Noland Road in Independence. So that's one major need that we're seeing. And I would also say that um, questions about their 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 heating bills right now too. We've had a couple of questions about, you know, can they still apply for 
help for their utility bills and, and we're directing them to to different resources to get help with utility bills right now. Rachel, what would you say to somebody who says, hey, what about the idea of taking out a personal loan to pay the rent, pay the mortgage, you know, put groceries on the table? What would you say to that? Sure. I would probably discourage against it right now and look for other ways that you could help yourself right now. So for instance, for mortgages, um, FHA insured mortgages and Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans are, can be put into forbearance right now. Loan servicers are being encouraged to work with borrowers to meet their needs. Um, as far as your rent, working with your landlord, paying what you can, when you can pay it. And also they're in the new stimulus bill. There are going to, There is going to be some relief for people um, as far as unemployment. So for people that are part of the gig economy or are freelancers, when this the new stimulus bill does get signed, they will be able to access unemployment whenever they might not have been able to. So kind of looking for other ways to uh, get income into the household. Amy, what kind of financial assistance is available for people in a recession, even if they still have work right now? Well, one thing that, you know, at Community America, really any financial institution, I encourage everybody to call their financial institution to talk about maybe loan extensions, skipping payments. And every situation is unique, so there are people ready to answer any questions to help advise them. This isn't our first storm that we've had to weather um, between government shutdown last year to UAW strike. So I know at Community America, our mission is always to help our members achieve financial peace of mind. And that peace of mind right now is extremely critical. And so we're trying to serve the members that are at the most risk right now. Now, Rachel, here's a question I'm wondering about. Someone wrote us and said, I still have work, at least for now, and I want to support local businesses and charities around me. But, you know, should I be saving money in case things get worse? That is a very good question yeah. because it's, yeah, it's a really, it, people would really like to be able to support their local businesses right now and help whenever they can. You know, I would err on the side of saving money where you're, where you can right now. If you're able to give your time to an organization instead of money, that could be a way to, to be able to give to an organization and I would say go back to go back to budgeting what can you afford to spend on a regular weekly basis on your on food expenses Amy something else that people might be wondering I know it's crossed a lot of minds out there as the stock market tanks I know it's rebounded in recent days mm -hmm. should I pull out my investments or should I be buying stocks what what should I be doing in, in that part of the financial world that's a good question, and we are getting that a lot. And my advice is to call your financial advisor or trusted advisor that you have. You know, the stock market historically has had ups and downs, and they've been able to overcome that um, without maybe overreacting. But really the best choice is to call your advisor and get the advice because everybody's situation is different in what stocks and bonds they all have and their asset allocation. So it's really just dependent on the individual. Your questions about your personal financial situation, they're welcome right now, 816-235-2888. Option two, if you're a little on the shy side, is to tweet us at KCUR up to date. You know, I'm just struck by something I think you said early on, Rachel, this idea that um, a lot of people are 
weathering this without a lot of panic. Um, does that surprise you? I mean, this is such an extraordinary time. The the society's going through such a major upheaval, but it seems like people by and large are sort of keeping it together. Is How surprising is that? It's not super surprising to me because I do think that, like Amy had said, we, we've all weathered storms before, you know, not anything to this magnitude. But I, I do think that communities really are coming together to help each other, whether that's, you know, going to the grocery store for your elderly neighbor or you're able to visit your local nonprofit to get food. Um, and even with social media, as, you know, as much misinformation is out on there in social media, there's always a lot of good, helpful people that are willing to help. So, you know, I think that there's just some really good support systems in place right now. Have you had a chance, Rachel, to talk to any of the folks who have come in and said they want to take out a large amount of money and and why they're doing that? I actually have not talked to anybody about that before. Amy, how about you? Yes, I have. And and that that is happening. And it's kind of slowed down, I think, um, probably since the first part of the week, because I think people, they're in the state of panic and there's this irrational um, spending or thoughts because they don't have a plan. And I think that Rachel mentioned earlier, getting back to the basics and having a plan to really know what, what you need money for. And even when you're going out to the grocery stores, the stockpilings that you're seeing, people you know running out of toilet paper, that can be irrational spending. So really just taking a pause take a deep breath and figure out what is it that my family really needs versus wants. And that can prevent, again, do you really need the large cash withdrawals? Do you really need the 10 rolls of toilet paper? Because then you're going to be buying things that you really don't need and you might need that money to have disposable income in the, the next couple of weeks. As we've talked and you've already mentioned, Amy, there, there's not a need to withdraw lots of money right now. The financial system appears pretty sound. Mm-hmm. And like <clears throat> likewise, with the food supply system, we've had any number of experts on the show in recent days saying there's a ready supply, a, a long supply of food availability out there. The, the next rolls of toilet paper will be there before too long. And, you know, all that seems to be uh, information that's readily available. Yeah, and I read an article the other day on CNBC regarding the U.S. Department of Homeland Security recommends a two-week supply of food. And then no more than that and only buy what you really need. I think some people start buying things to make them feel secure, which again, you start spending money and there's a budget leak. But give just two-week supply and then let the um, grocery stores be able to stock again and the retailers get back um, to not having bare shelves, just not get in that state of panic. Have either of you seen any statistics that begin to shed light on how much spending consumers are doing right now and uh, and to what extent that has all slowed down in recent uh, days and weeks? I haven't seen anything yet, but I, that will be really interesting to see. Yeah. Amy? No, I have not actually recently. I'm really be curious to see where we stand with, with numbers like that. Um, coming out of the last recession, are there lessons that we learned then that might uh, be applicable at a time like this? Rachel? Yes, I would say kind of back to the kind of back to mortgages. There were not a lot of um, safeguards in place for 
um, homeowners. And so there are a lot of safeguards in place now. So I do think that was a big lesson. So so many people aren't losing their housing um, right now. It's harder to foreclose on a homeowner today than it was uh, even 15 years ago. Absolutely. Yeah. What what has changed uh, uh, along those lines? What has changed uh, when what well, especially right now, the guidance is, you know, do not start any foreclosure processes, work with the borrowers on their mortgages right now. And if there are any loans that are in forbearance, the good news is even with your credit report, it has a neutral effect on your credit score. And so people that aren't even able to make their mortgage payments right now, it's not going to be hurting their credit because the forbearance um, the forbearance shows just a neutral effect on their credit score. And that's a big change, right, from what it used to be. That's a huge change. I believe so. And the guidance is just a lot stronger, I think, um, now because of what had happened back in 2008. Yeah. Okay, if you're just joining us, you're listening to up-to-date special coverage, coronavirus in Kansas City. We're talking about your personal financial situations and how you're coping with this pandemic right now. If you have a question for our experts on how to deal with all this, 816-235-2888 is our phone number, or you can tweet us at KCUR up-to-date. Amy, what about this idea uh, should I stop paying for services that I don't use that much to save money at a time like this? I'm thinking and lots of people are using Netflix, but maybe they have accounts that they don't really log on to all that often. What would you say along along that front? I actually think that's a great idea. That's something that I have been recommending is for people to sit down and really assess where is your money going and coming from and determine exactly what can you live with and what can you live without if you're really wanting to, um, again, have that disposable income to come in to start saving more for yourself, even if you um, are still getting a paycheck. But I think everyone should be doing that. If there's one thing that we learned from the 2008 um, Great Recession coming out of that is really people getting back to the basics and not being wasteful and do they need this, do they need that and I recommend doing this with your kids to teach them because they're also mirroring you how you're reacting to right. this time, right? And and showing them, hey, do you need to spend this on Fortnite or whatever X you know they're spending money on, and can they go without it? <laughs> yeah. and explain that to them. Eight one six at two three five two eight eight eight. Let's go to some calls now. Mike from Waldo. Mike, you're on up to date special coverage coronavirus in Kansas City. Good morning. Hello, Steve. Uh, I was wondering what your guests in in their profession what they're hearing about the latest scam that's going around trying to beat the the poor people out of the three dollars they have left. And this is a scam that says we've got a we've got a a, a, a vaccine for coronavirus that kind of thing. Uh, Mike? Whatever whatever financial schemes or anything that they're hearing about. Yeah, how about that, Rachel? What are you hearing out there? Yeah, actually, I have a, um, a notice from the Office of Inspector General that they just released on March twenty fourth. There is a Social Security benefit suspension scam going on. People are actually getting letters saying because the Social Security office is closed, mm. that benefits are going to be suspended. Wow. So, of wow. course, your benefits are not going to be suspended. Um, 
And so Office of Inspector General and FTC, Federal Trade Commission, they both have very practical guidance for this. You know, nobody's going to call you and threaten you with benefit suspension, arrest or other legal action. Um, You know, don't promise they were not going to promise a benefit increase or other assistance in exchange for payment. They're not going to require a payment by retail gift card, cash, wire transfer, cryptocurrency, um, and they're not going to demand secrecy. And, you know, so there's a lot, there's definitely a lot of things that to be aware of. Um, another one is, you know, know, know who you're buying from. Unfortunately, there are going to be online sellers that are going to have so-called in-demand products. Right. Once you give them your money, you're not going to get that money back. Um, and then one more thing that the FTC says um, is to do your homework on charities requesting your money or giving money through a crowdfunding right. site. This is not a time to be rushed into giving your money away. Amy, have you heard of any scams out there that have come across your plate? Yes. You know, there's always a scam going on, but especially during this time, there's, you know, imposter scams to be aware of investment scams to different product scams. But, you know, at Community America Credit Union, we're always committed in keeping our members protected. And But fraudsters are often going to take advantage of people during these times of uncertainty. So we want to remind everyone that be cautious of unknown senders of products, medical advice, requesting donations. Right. Be very cautious about that. And if you have questions, call your financial institution. They should be able to help you out. You know, I think that's great advice. You know, I think a lot of us uh, relatively younger people tend to dismiss all these concerns about scams. I remember my father, before he passed away last year, he was as clear thinking a man as uh, I've ever known. But, you know, one point a year ago or so, he had a phone call saying that his son, meaning me, we have, he had a couple sons, uh, had been involved in a terrible accident, uh, needed some money, and the caller was you know, Im- Im- uh, imitating me, you know, saying, I, I, dad, I, real, I, I need some money real quickly. And before, you know, anything could happen, my dad was on his way down to the bank, was going to withdraw 10,000 bucks. And it was only the, the bank manager who recognized something might be amiss, who came out and sort of stopped things and got a hold of my sister. But I just was, it was a great lesson to me that boy, these people are just, they're just vicious. They, they show no mercy and they'll do anything to uh, say something to older folks to get their money. It's just amazing to me. Yeah, it's very yes, absolutely. Yeah. How about ideas for, for extra income at a time like this, Rachel? What, what things might people begin to think about as they try to come up with a few extra bucks? Sure. Um, there are different companies that are hiring kind of in mass right now. Amazon, I know, is hiring a lot of people. Um, grocery stores are hiring a lot of people. You know, be creative. Is there a neighbor that perhaps will pay you to go pick up groceries? Is Are there some things around, uh, you know, your neighborhood that you could help people out with, of course, from a, you know, socially uh, acceptable distance? You know, what, what are some things that you can to do to earn some extra money? Are there crafts that you can sell online? Just kind of some other um, kind of side hustles, as we would typically call them, that could bring in some extra money. Are, are you seeing much evidence of that already beginning to occur out there, Rachel? I haven't been. I, we, we do have an employment department at Community Services League that helps people get connected to jobs. And we are getting phone calls about um, about jobs like 
Amazon and grocery stores. And I imagine that those are going to continue coming in. And I know our employment department is working hard to figure out how to connect people to those jobs. Hmm. Amy, what are you hearing about uh, about that kind of thing? Well, very similar to what Rachel is stating. And then I also go back to, I mean, if you still do have a job and you have income coming in, is that now is a good time to look at your budget leaks and then start saving money when you can to pay yourself first, which I think is always a rule of thumb. Mm -hmm. And then go back to the basics if you can, those that do have jobs and stable income, to help our communities when you're thinking about save some, spend some, and give some, give some to, you know, your charities if you can. Uh, Give blood. That's free. Um, Mm. Helping out in any way you can if you can. Well, how about one of the basic, uh, most basic questions of all, Rachel? What if I have trouble paying my home mortgage, my rent, uh, my car payment, my student loan? What should people do? Contact your loan servicer. That's the first thing that you should do. Um, I do have a note about student loans with this new uh, stimulus bill. There, there's really good news on student on federal student loans um, that all loans are going to be set to zero percent. Um, and through September 30th, there's going to be a payment, an automatic payment suspension. Um, and so people should be checking their accounts online to see that this is going to be coming into effect. Hmm. So I, there's, there are some, that, that's a really good relief for people that have federal student loans. That can be a game changer for people out there, Rachel. It, it can because you could still make payments during this time and it will go to principal now instead of that interest. And it's set to 0% right now. Yeah. Amy, what, what advice would you offer when it comes to folks who are having trouble meeting basic obligations? I would say call your financial institution. You might be surprised on things that they can do to help out. Yeah. You know, again, anywhere from loan extensions to skipping a payment to maybe re- redoing the loan and maybe even providing advice to think of ways to um, get more income to make your payments. Just quickly, uh, Rachel, I got 30 seconds here. What about uh, these government checks that are going to be coming in? Flo called us to ask how people should think about spending those dollars. Yes, I am thinking about that as well. I think, you know, go going back to the basics again, figure out what it is that's most important for you to pay every month and what can you supplement without cash? Can you go to a food pantry? Can you cancel some things that you don't need anymore? Um, meal plan and, you know, just use that money for the essentials and if you can save part of it as well. Okay. Great advice. I want to thank our guests here, Rachel Barker, Vice President of Financial Coaching for the Community Services League. Amy Grothaus is a Vice President of Member Experience at the Community America Credit Union. Thank you both for some good counsel and have a great weekend. Thanks thank for having you. me. Bye-bye.
Before we let you go today, we have one more story for you that we hope will send you into the weekend on a high note. Because even though there's a lot of uncertainty and hardship in our city right now, we're also seeing some really beautiful moments, too. And we want to take some time to acknowledge those when we can. Joining us now is Lisa Rothy. She's director of New Works at the Kansas City Repertory Theater. Lisa, you posted about an experience you had on Facebook recently, and I dare say it's cheering people up. Tell us about your recent trip to Trader Joe's in Kansas City and what happened to you when you were there. Hi, thank you. Yes, um, the other morning I went to Trader Joe's on Ward Parkway. Yeah. And the staff was really great, and they were very careful to wipe down all the shopping carts and surface areas. Everyone was very kind. They were very helpful. And then I went to checkout. And there were these two really lovely young women, and we started a conversation, and I asked them how they were doing. And they said they were hanging in there, and they were doing their best, and we're all in this together. And then they asked how I was doing, and I told them that I was supposed to head back home to New York City this week, Mm. which is where I live. Um, I'm a freelance director, and I've been here for the last year. Right. Uh, But since... I I have some people in my life back home with some really compromised immune systems. I decided to stay away for a while. So I was feeling a little sad, and I told them I was feeling a little sad, and that it was hard to see people um, out here sometimes actually not taking things seriously because this is real, and I live in New York, and I know this is coming. Um, And I also mentioned that there were a few people in my life I know who have actually already passed away. Hmm. And one of them disappeared for a minute while the other one was bagging my groceries. And then the one who disappeared, she came back with a bouquet of yellow roses. Mm. And she told me that she was so sorry that I couldn't go home. And she was sorry for my loss. And she wanted to know if I liked dark chocolate. And then she put everything in my bag. Wow. And wow. it was incredibly generous yes. and lovely. And it was so nice to have that connection with these humans. <laughs> I'm wondering if that moment was extra powerful because you knew they as grocery store employees were probably also having a hard time, but even then they managed to extend support in spite of it all. Absolutely. They were very, when I asked them how things, how they were, you know, with the job and with bagging things. And they said, you know, they were grateful to be working. They said Trader Joe's was incredibly generous and were very kind to them and were good to them. And they were very careful to, you know, make sure that everyone was safe and they wanted to make sure that all the guests were safe and that they were safe. And it was um, they were a little bit like ad hoc therapists in yeah. a way. They were you know, really lovely. As infectious as this coronavirus is, Lisa, they also say that small acts of kindness like this are just as infectious. It's a huge deal. And everybody really needs to keep it up because we're going to need it. Well, that's Lisa Rothy, Director of New Works at the Kansas City Rep. Uh, Lisa, thanks for the good story. We sure appreciate it. Thank you. Nice to be with you. Take care. And we want to hear more stories like this as well about what's helping you get through these tough times. Have you seen a random act of kindness? Do you have a personal ritual, book, song, or movie that's helping you through these days? We'd like to hear from you. Leave a voicemail with your brief story, your full name, and where you live by calling 816-398-8207. That's 816 816- 
398-8207. You can also email a voice memo to KCUR producer Mackenzie Martin. You can do that at Mackenzie at KCUR.org. Uh, that's M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E at KCUR.org. And we'll also put this on our website. Have a great weekend, all. I'm Steve Kraske, and you're listening to up-to-date special coverage, coronavirus in Kansas City.